You're listening to a Brain Stew Fresh Fright Review. What's up, creeps? Welcome to another brand new Brain Stew Fresh Fright Review. I'm Justin. I am Jeremy! Yeah, that's that's Jeremy. He likes to do that thing Jeremy. with his voice. That really scary, Hi. spooky thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ, pig squeals and all. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here to talk about Megan... M3 Gan. M3 Gan. Yeah. I mean, I like the three thing. Yes. You think they would have saved it for the third movie somehow? Uh, like, was there gonna, are they going to have two threes? Uh, how do you do that? Um, but the new, the new, brand new horror science fiction comedy. I'm going to, yes, add that into the title Absolutely. comedy. Because as much as people try to say it, it's unintentional, it's 100% intentional. Um, movie that just came out from Blumhouse. Um, <laughs> old Blum fart. Blum, oh, good old Blum, Jason Blum. Um, it came out last week and absolutely shattered Scream and Smile's opening weekend box office. As of right now, Jeremy, on a twelve million dollar budget, it's already made fifty million dollars. Hell yeah! Original horror. That's great. Is fucking alive and well. That's great. And, and you know, and the the PG thirteen rating clearly helped here. Um, yeah, because that became like a like a viral thing on TikTok. People were doing the Megan yeah, dance, right? The and dance, yeah. I, from from what I read, is the studio was like, "Oh shit, the demographic for you know these viral videos are you know ranging from like like thirteen to like seventeen or something like that." Well, guess what? They can't go buy a movie ticket, and I think that's where they were like, "Eh, let's recalibrate this thing and edit some gore out, edit some." You know, yeah, some they, R-rating stuff out. They, yeah, they shot it as an R-rated movie. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. And they're already talking about uh, an unrated one coming out, right? That is correct. Yeah, the writer in an interview said, you know, and I quote, no shade to Universal, love them. And I understand that once the trailer went viral, teenagers got involved and you want them to be able to see it. There should be an unrated version here at some point. I heard it is in the books, but yes, it was way gorier. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. And, you know... I got to tell you, Justin, I had zero excitement for this movie. I had a feeling. (laughs) Dude, I I legitimately did not want to see this movie. I didn't care about it. I saw the teaser trailer for it when that came out, and I was like, why does the doll look like one of the Olsen twins? Why does that fucking doll look like one of the Olsen twins? And then I saw the dance thing, and I was like, I'm out. That's silly-ass shit. I'm out. So, my... Two of my buddies were like super hardcore excited for it. They're like, oh, I can't fucking wait, man. Killer doll movie, man. We need more killer doll It's movies. true. It's true. Yeah. It's a killer doll movie. So I I I was against it. I was like, you guys have fun with your killer doll, dancing doll movie. I'm gonna continue enjoying my blue cat people movie, Avatar 2. <laughs> you know, like I have no interest in in M3 Gan whatsoever. M3 Gan. So, M3 Gan. Um so I'm okay, and this is no bullshit. I saw the final trailer, you know, 
last week. And I was like, all right, let me like just watch the official trailer. All I watched was the teaser, and it was goofy. I watched it and was like, you know what? Maybe I was too harsh initially on this thing. Fuck it. I'm, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. And uh, I did. And here we are, man. Yeah. It's interesting because when I first saw the trailer myself, I was definitely intrigued, but it clearly didn't look like it was made for me. Um, and that's totally fine. I'm always open to see literally everything I possibly can. And I wasn't necessarily ready to jump out and run to the car to go see it in theaters until a lot of people that I usually respect in terms of their opinions saw it a little early. Um, we actually did get the opportunity to see it early, but it was literally only a day before it came out in theaters. So sometimes we've talked about this on the show before. In order for you and I to drive to a press screening, it takes many, many hours because of where we live. And I was like, man, it comes out fucking tomorrow. Like the embargo was already lifted. Why am I going to rush all the way there to see? I'll just wait till the next day. But people were clamoring about this movie. And I, that's always, you know, helpful in terms of getting me a little bit more hype for it. And I'm not even going to lie to you, man. I had a fucking blast. So much fun with this movie. Um, And I think it looked silly in terms of, you know, on the surface, what they were trying to portray in the trailer. But when you watch the movie and you realize that it is in so many ways intentionally a campy comedy as much as it is a horror science fiction film, then you you kind of just let yourself go and sit back and enjoy it. You know what I mean? So have you noticed that like everything is a fucking dance routine now? Like like anything in any movie or TV show like Matilda that that went streaming, I think, um, to Wednesday, to Megan, like, all of these things have these dance sequences that now people, because social media is so prevalent, and TikTok is so prevalent, and Instagram, Well, yeah, the TikTok dances are so fucking popular these days. all of a sudden, like, everything has a dance that's being emulated on social media, and that, that further, you know, inspires people to want to go to the movie theaters to see these things it's 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 really interesting how anytime i go on instagram now it's like people that are just fucking dancing in their living room to a thing and i'm like i mean more power to you like this this that kind of shit does nothing for me but well yeah i mean even 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 our good pal deandra you know she she she, she's she's always doing dancing videos and shit it's just i think it's just like that's what the fuck is in right now and especially because of tiktok but i mean in terms of how this movie was marketed, I have to say, man, say what you will about Blumhouse, and we definitely have said some shit about oh, Blumhouse 100%. in the past, even just as much as last October. <clears throat> um, oh, God. But they know how to market a movie. And the, the viral brilliant, marketing brilliant for this trailer. movie, and, and, and also having, I'm not sure if you saw it, Jeremy, the footage, that they had a bunch of girls dressed up as Megan. M3 again, um, going on the subway, walking through New York City, literally just stopping and then doing the dance in public. You know what I mean? And catching it. You didn't see that? Really? No, I, have, I uh, haven't seen oh, okay. this. Yeah, yeah. No, they've, they've been doing that for like the past couple weeks leading up to the release. And then, of course, the image, man, and that's something I, I feel like we're going to talk about a little bit more. But, you know, here's the question. How do you create an iconic horror movie villain? And It's difficult. It's difficult. I, it's difficult, but I feel like in terms of the imagery of this movie, they nailed it. I mean, they 100%. found something that 
instantly connects with your head. The, the, the dress that she's wearing, the blonde hair. Yes, it looks like one of the fucking Olsen twins. And I ain't even going to lie about it. I totally stole that when you said that to me and tweeted that shit. And it went went pretty big. I mean, yeah. a lot of people were laughing. And now anytime I refer to the movie, I'm like, it's the evil Olsen twin doll. 100%. Movie. That's exactly what it looks like. But, but it's absolutely crazy. And also, uh, to harken back what you were saying about the dance, I didn't realize how much... I mean, it was literally a 12-year-old girl. Her name was Amy Donald. She played Megan. Yeah. And she's a professional... I mean, at her age, she's like an award-winning dancer. So she, what she brought to the role... And much like a lot of other uh, you know, people they bring in to play characters, like a lot of people don't know, but in Batman 89... I know it's totally off the subject, but they had a professional ballet dancer. I'm friends with him. His name's Carl Newman. He came in and did like all these different fluid movements for Michael in the suit because he knew how to gracefully move in this costume. And so here they have this young dancer who is absolutely brilliant and talented. And it, she, she, she did the same thing that Peter Weller did in the first RoboCop. She trained herself to move like this artificial robotic being. Yeah. And it's fucking creepy, dude. It's all a, a real person. And then we did a workshop just did, you know, did magic and CG'd the hell out of her face and made her look like M3 again. That that's Megan. that's honestly the only gripe that I really have about this movie is and it's always been a gripe of mine and I've talked about it on the show before is the use of CGI when it's not necessary. Right? However, is it more convenient? I maybe, you know, but why why couldn't they they do what child's play did, you know? Like have a practical doll or even an, a fucking appliance that you do you put on this girl's face to make her look more like a doll. Like why why did they have to CGI her face? I feel like well, I, that's, yeah, that's such a uh, an evil thing that studios find to be a necessity nowadays to where it's like, dude, you could have made that practical. And I'll, I'll always go back. You'll always go to that. I know you Well, won't. no, no, but I'll always go back to uh, I Am Legend with Will Smith. Why did they CGI over top of the actors for the vampires? It made them look like video game characters. And it's like, we would be talking about I Am Legend and how great of a fucking movie that was had they not CGI'd over well, at least in, at least in terms of the creatures and oh, shit for we sure would, for sure for, for sure yeah. um, and, and it's this the the same thing is the the thing prequel where they literally CGI'd over top of Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff's vi- practical brilliant amazing looking special effects why studios think that horror fans want that is blows my fucking mind listen well, to horror it. fans well, well think about this too you you know what you're saying here. You're questioning what you said earlier, but dude, literally, it is the TikTok generation that this movie is being mostly targeted to. So I feel like in in their eyes, this is what they expect. And and and, and you know, uh, just for the sake of argument, I think the CG was actually fantastic. It, it I was, thought it was it, very well done. It, it was very it creepy. was well done. However, especially with the budget amount, man. Yeah, for sure. I I think it was it was well done. However. I would have enjoyed it more personally had they gone a practical route with it because I just I felt it to be unnecessary. But it wasn't like at any point I was looking at it going, well, that looks like shit. 
like right. which is the case a lot it, of times in horror films yeah, with CGI. Sure. They did a really good job with it in this, but I still I still feel like it wasn't necessary. No, I know what you mean. And the thing is, I've actually, you know, before we sat down to record this, I tried to find anything I could in terms of behind the scenes and how they did Megan aside from you know, uh, Amy, Mc, excuse me, Amy Donald portraying the character mm. physically. And if you look at pictures of her, she actually looks a hell of a lot like Megan. Mm. I think the eyes are just a, a lot larger, a lot wider. Those right. Olsen twin eyes, like almost like anime eyes, like so, uh, dark crystal eyes. Yep, exactly. I'd be I'd just be very interested to see the process in which I mean, if they just had blue dots on her face or. And then CG'd, or if that she actually had any kind of appliance on her face just for per- performance sake for sure. the actors, because that's the one thing we were talking about with the design. I think the design is both creepy and adorable at the same time. For sure. I mean, it really nailed that middle ground that you had to have to make this thing be a toy that kids would actually want to have as a doll. I mean, I've seen some pretty fucking creepy looking dolls that Bro, kids we, walk around we with. We grew man. up in the era of my buddy dolls. Exactly. That looked like motherfucking Chucky. And we all knew friends that had siblings that had that creepy ass doll. So, like, I feel like we kind of grew up with these creepy dolls. So I can absolutely accept that there would be kids that would want to have a Megan doll. Oh, for sure. I think every kid would. Um, And I know this is usually Brady's job, but he's not here. And I don't know why he's not here. Someone could fill me in. He was walking in the woods and bypassed the movie theater on the way. Yeah, he just walked by it. He walked um, by it, and he's like, no, nah, there's trees over there, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, good thing he... Well, actually, it's so fucked up because in the movie... Full spoilers here, by the way. In the movie, spoilers. a thing happens where they're in the woods, and a kid gets hit by a car. And last week, ladies and gentlemen, Brady did get hit by a car. He's okay, though. He, is he okay. got He got nicked, but... Like, like walking, like he was walking, walking and got hit walking, by a car. He yeah. wasn't in another car and then got hit. He was walking, and a car hit him. Yeah. So, yeah, um, uh, dude, but, talk, talking about the yeah, let's let's let's, let's fuck Brady. He, he's not on the episode. We're not giving him any <laughs> any fucking talk time. Um, dude, the the scene in the woods in, in Megan where she's pulling on that kid's ear and it like stretches, like Jesus Christ! I dude. was laughing so fucking hard at yeah. that man. Yeah. I mean, that's where that campy tone comes in, where it's. As terrifying as it is hilarious. Yeah, for sure. And I dude, the whole audience was roaring at that. Like I, I heard like a couple of girls in front of me like, oh, you know, because it stretches so fucking far. It reminds me of Jeff Daniels tongue and dumb and dumber yeah. when he's got it stuck to the side of the, the lift. And it's just like it's literally like almost six inches long. Yeah. This fucking tongue, you know, it's cartoonish. Um, but yeah, back to. So in, in case anyone didn't know, I, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, the movie itself Jeremy, as we know, is about a robotics engineer at a toy company that builds a life-size doll that begins to take on a life of its own and playing around with the concept of AI, which is, I mean, we're in like this world right now where it's becoming such a huge thing. It keeps blowing my mind and blowing my mind to the point where I'm like, have you motherfuckers not seen Terminator? Do you (laughs) not know how this ends? It's like, I mean, dude, like I saw news reports that somebody hired a fucking AI robot to be a lawyer for them. And like the first AI robot is going to be used in a court of law. And I mean, dude, there's all these, you know, we talked about it on the show before. How is that even legal? Yeah, I don't know. But like 
we talked about it on the show before about, you know, AI quote unquote artwork and different things. And then like, it's, it's just getting to the point where like technology, we're at an age where technology is advancing so rapidly that it's, it's so bizarre. Cause it's like, dude, all of these things that we grew up watching in TV shows and movies and shit is like, we're living it now. And it's, it's, it's exceeding that now to the point where, you know, there are, you know, AI things that have like learning simulators that these, these AI things can learn and, and advance themselves and their own knowledge. And that's fucking scary. <laughs> like, like, like that, that sounds scary as shit, dog. Turn that robot off. So yeah, no, the movie, the movie in, in a very smart, uh, plausible topical way, it plays with this. Um, so this girl who loses her parents at the beginning of the movie, which I was not prepared for at all. It's like, I mean, it's, the, it's how every Disney movie starts. It's like, well, this, this kid's parents are dead now. <laughs> Your mother cannot be with you any longer. Remember that Bambi shit, man? I've been scarred for life from fucking Bambi. It's like like every Disney thing. It's like, well, your parents are dead now. Lion King. Deal with that shit. Now you got to go on a journey and you have to play some happy songs in this shit. You have nothing. And and, and dude, there is is a happy song in this, um, but it's actually more of a comforting song. But so, yes, this little girl. Dude, dude, real quick. you, You mentioned the song. I have had this song stuck in my head for days now <laughs> like megan as the, the the little girl is going to sleep like goes to like sing her uh the little girl katie when katie's going to sleep um megan's like i am titanium like that that song that's like been on the radio for a while like all of a sudden she's singing like this pop like number one hit single to this to the girl i laughed so fucking hard when she was like, oh, time for you to go to bed and calm down. And she starts singing. And, yeah. But ever since then, like, dude, I was literally at work today going, I am titanium. Nailed like, it. Fuck, man. Like stuck in my head. So sorry. Continue. No, no, it's now you're going to have it stuck in my head because I totally forgot it until you just reminded me of it. Um, but so, <laughs> you know, the basic premise of the movie, it, you know, this little girl, Katie, her parents die. She, her, her legal guardian will be Gemma, um, who is the sister, her aunt of her mom. Um, and this chick is just like career girl. You know what I mean? She ain't got a dude. She ain't, she, she whatever. I don't know her sexual orientation. She ain't got a chick. She just is working on this fucking robot. You know, she's in love AI with her robot. career. She's in love with her career, which is a, a very, again, I'm married to a queer woman, so I totally get it. But she's not prepared to take on being a mother or a, or a parent, let alone a guardian. Mm-hmm. And this this is what brings up the social themes in the movie and how topical it is. She builds this thing when she realizes that she's not connecting with her niece, who she's supposed to be connecting with. She's supposed to be bonding with. She immediately thinks, hey oh my God, I can just build this thing and use it so I don't have to do those things. And in a lot of ways, it's very similar to what our current society does. Here, kid, I don't want to hear you crying. Here's a tablet. Here's a tablet. And you literally see it, Jeremy, you know, because you've got little ones. Yeah. Like, 
you go to a restaurant, kids got tablets in front of them. I'm, I've got, you know, a nephew, he's six years old. He's got a tablet in front of him. Or an no matter iPhone, what, the parents hand off iPhone their phone. Too. Here you go, play yep. with this. It's funny because the the conversation in the very first scene of the movie, where the mom and the dad are driving with Katie, and like you know, Katie's like got her screen out or whatever, and the parents are having the conversation. I thought we talked about limiting screen time yeah. and different things. Like, dude, we we live in an era where like when we were growing up, Justin, it was we fucking went outside and rode our bicycles. For miles and miles and miles, we were fucking playing hide-and-go-seek. We were, you know, building forts and all types of crazy shit. Like, we didn't want to come inside at all. We wanted to stay outside, you know, and, like, our parents would have to fucking tell us, like, it's, all right, it's dark. You got you to gotta come they inside They would yell now. out the door. Yeah. And it's 9.30. Dude, You're supposed to be in we, at 9. We live in such a crazy time, and I've got small kids, man, where it's like, dude, A, I would never allow my kids just like here's a bicycle go fucking go ride all over the place fuck no and like all the shit that you read on the news about the all these fucking psychopaths and like crazy shit it's like dude i would never just let my kids just go outside yeah, isn't it nuts how our parents just let us do that it shit was dude then? it was it, it was it was just part of the time it was you know hey you know uh, they, they look out for each other they're okay you know what i mean like and just things are so different now to where like now kids they don't want to go outside because they don't even know what that what that's about. What what they know is the tablets and the phones and the video games and YouTube. Media. Literally everything yeah. that connects to a device, man. Like yeah. everything they do in school now is connected to a device in some way. Yeah. Learning from a laptop. I mean, in some schools they give them tablets to learn on. Yeah. And it's I mean, everything is everything. so connected. I mean, now, granted, we did, our generation, Jeremy, most definitely did do all those things you stated. Also, we were the first generation, or at least the, I think the second generation, of video games. Yep. So we had our Nintendos. Segas. In the 90s, yep. we got Super Nintendo, Sega. Um, then Sega. the first handheld games. The Tiger handheld games. Then, you know, Game Boy, Game Gear. So we had stuff like that, but it was a totally different thing. You know what I mean? I still, um, I, I had those things. And I still would have rather at that age oh, for been sure. outside. Like, like, cool. I'll play Sega maybe, maybe tonight or tomorrow. But I would rather right now be outside playing, like hanging out with my friends. You know, it's just everything's so different. And like, dude, I have a six year old, and she loves Minecraft. Like, she's super into it now. And it, like, we find it to be a thing where we're like, okay, like, we can't have her like so into this thing that it's all she wants to do. So, like, we are, like, just like the first conversation that is had in this movie, like, me and my wife are like, all right, like, when can she play this thing? When are we giving her this tablet? It's a real thing, man. So, again, like, this, you know, everything that, that's happening in this movie is completely ground in reality. It's all plausible. I mean, it's enti- this is all entirely possible. I mean, the technology for AI, like we were just talking about, is growing so rapidly I mean, the, the only thing I found far-fetched is when they said that the Megan model would cost $10,000. Get the fuck out of here. That thing would be more like 50 to a... I swear to God. Oh, yeah. In terms of how advanced the thing was, oh, yeah. I mean, now granted, the technology it had, it's based on, you know, the reality in the movie that it learns quickly. 
I mean, we don't know anything that we've created now that's at quite as smart or that can make decisions for itself just yet to that level. But I mean, it will eventually get there. And I think it plays with ideas that we've had from previous movies. Think about like we've talked about the Terminator movies because those are some of our favorite movies. But this literally takes it a step forward because it's something that we're dealing with in our everyday lives. You have a phone in your pocket every day. I do. I work on a computer every day. So we're so connected to everything else. And I've always wondered, and I think in the back of my head, how is this going to affect the current generation growing up now? Because in terms of socializing, and that subject comes up in the movie, you know, where little Katie doesn't want to go to school. She's like, my mom homeschooled me. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to hang out with kids. I just like Megan. To her, Megan is a person. It's her best friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's a companion. So, and it's in in the place of a parent or a friend. Yep. Like we grew up with best friends. You know yep. what I mean? We'd hang out with our friends. We didn't have a tablet or a phone. Yep. You know what I mean? We didn't call uh, hanging out play dates. We just said, "Can we go over to our fucking friend's house?" You know? Listen, we uh we had friends. We rode our bikes, and then uh, after our parents went to went to bed, we watched Howard Stern. It's what we did as kids. I 100% did, and I also would whack off when the chicks would throw their drugs, <laughs> even though they were blurred out. Not even gonna lie to you. I'd wait, and I'd listen to make sure my parents weren't walking in the hall. Be like, oh shit, that chick just put out her jugs. Not even gonna lie, dude. God damn it, whatever happened to Howard Stern? I'm, I'm, you know what? It's a side, side thing. I'm shocked that motherfucker ain't got canceled. If you ever watched those old-ass episodes, he, he did some pretty rough and raw shit Yep. To those girls that he had on there. He was brutal to them, dude. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I just feel like that was so a part of his shtick and and his act that he, uh, he got the pass, man. He got the pass for, he got he the pass have. from the Me Too. Like, yeah, he, he must have 100%. I mean, yeah. But, oh, no. man. But, so this movie, um, I think in terms of its creepiness, it is extremely successful. It's not the goriest thing. No, not at at all. all. It's not the most violent thing. In in fact, most of the violence happens off camera. Off camera. But it's extremely effective. And I think, you know, walking into this thing, I was slightly worried about that. But I actually left the theater feeling, I mean, the gore hound inside me felt pretty satisfied. Felt like that I was filled up. I had a nice solid meal. You know, it might have been not as large of a steak as I wanted to eat, but it was just enough. Um, and I like the fact that a movie like this can be appealing to younger audiences because gateway horror movies are so, so important for new generations to become horror fans. Like this movie might lead a younger audience to go and checking out child's play or dolls or any other Dolly dearest. Yes. I mean, there's so many, I mean, I mean, we, you know, Annabelle's the, the, the probably the most recent uh, evil doll movies, and and those have been successful as well. Annabelle creation was fucking terrifying. Like, yeah, I found that one to be super effective and terrifying. Yeah. Um. So, and you know, y- y- you got to admit here, um, we do know the film was written by Akila Cooper, as well as a story with James Wan. So James Wan, who he knows his evil dolls, man. You know, Dead Silence, you know, Annabelle. He is the king here, so he had his hand in this. And I'm not sure if you realize this, Jeremy, but the writer, Akila Cooper, I know, Malignant, I know. as well as Hellfest, which I was a huge fan of when that came out in I've 2018. Never seen that, man. I've never Dude, seen that. Dude, it's 
super underrated nice. slasher movie that cool. takes place at a fucking uh, theme park during Halloween. A horror haunt. Really effective kills. Beautifully shot. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I mean, when I saw it opening night, there was nobody in theaters and I was bummed. I own the 4K of it. Uh, definitely recommend me. Yeah, it's a lot it of fun. It, it's just gory enough. Great suspense. I think that the thing that sucks the most about it is the mask they they came what? up with for the killer was fucking it, was sucks. It a white mask? No, it's just like this weird rocky looking, like almost like Aztec, uh, you know, tribal looking mask. It just was really gaudy. It's just a dude with a hood yeah. wearing this shitty mask, but at the same time, the rest of the movie is effective. So, um, so we got we got a good horror pedigree here in terms of the people that that put this thing together, um, and and I think for the most part the movie is such a fun time. I mean, and the chemistry that Katie has with Megan is so realistic and she's giving a great performance here. I think Violet McGraw is her name and she plays Katie and yeah. she was fantastic. Like abs- huge range, huge range. She was, she was fantastic. And of course we have Allison Williams that plays her aunt Gemma, Allison Williams from of course, get out. Um, yeah, so these yeah. are these are two. She's got two huge horror hits under her belt now. I almost forgot who that was, and I actually turned to to Loisos during the movie, and I was like, "Where do I know her from?" And he always told me, "He was like, get out." I was like, "That's right, I haven't because I haven't seen her in anything since then." But that face, she's so recognizable now. Clearly, she's not a villain here, but I guess if you're a really good parent and you're on the PTA and all that shit, you might look at her as a bad parent because she does kind of suck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's like, dude, the minute that she she creates this thing to be a stand-in for her. You know, she's got this fucking caseworker that's coming in and giving her evil eyes. And she, she's just literally the moment that she gives Megan to her, she's, she opens her laptop and just like, Oh, I'm just chilling. I'm just doing my thing now. As a collector, man, I laughed my ass off when, when Katie comes to, you know, live there on Gemma and there's these toys because on Gemma, you know, as a toy maker, um, she's a toy designer and all of a sudden Katie sees these toys that are still like they're on display in Gemma's house, but they're still in the package and Katie goes and picks one up and on Gemma's like, Oh no, 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 this is not a toy. Well, okay. It's, 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 it's a toy, but like we don't play with it. Like it lives in the box. It's, it's a collectible. It's a collectible. And Katie's like, all right, like, but it's so funny. Cause I'm like, dude, I relate so hard. <laughs> to, to that shit dude for sure when I, I don't have all my stuff on display now but whenever i did um and my nephews would come over they would look in my glass case at all my like really expensive hot toys mm-hmm. and they'd be like reaching for it I'm like no 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 you, you don't you don't play with that that's not a toy dude. and they don't understand it and imagine a young kid yeah. at that like looking at something like that because i when i was younger there were collectible toys, sure, but like I didn't know any family members that had some shit that were like, sure. no, you can't touch that. They yeah, would be yeah, like, yeah. oh, that old fucking He-Man over there? Yeah, grab that thing. Go ahead and play with that shit. Nope. You know? Dude, I funny, funny quick story is, uh, so I've got all these life-size, you know, animatronic statues in, in my basement. They're, it's Halloween in my basement 24-7. So I've got life-size Freddy, Michael, Jason, Pinhead. You have a Predator too, right? Leatherface, yeah. Um... So a bunch of them are animatronic and they're like motion activated, but I don't have them plugged in because I don't want these motherfuckers moving when I go downstairs. That'd be scary as shit. So I don't, I don't keep it's them. It's scary enough. Yeah, man. dude. I don't, I don't keep them plugged in. I don't want those motherfuckers moving. So, uh, 
Uh, it was Thanksgiving one year. Um, me and my wife have been, maybe been married for a couple years. And so, like, all of my nephews and my nieces came over to our house for Thanksgiving. And so they're like, Uncle Jeremy, can we go downstairs in your basement? And, like, I, like, legit, like, me and Ann had only been married for a little bit. So, like, now I'd be like, hell no, y'all can't go down there. It's, uh, you know, that, even though they're toys and collectibles and stuff like that, like, no, you guys can't go down there. Not by yourself, at least. Like, so... I'm like against my better judgment and panic attack inducing. I'm like, okay. So they're like, can you put on a movie for us in the basement? I'm like, yeah. So I go down there and they're like, these all have plugs. Like, can you plug them in? Do they move? And I'm like, look, yes, they do. However, like the eyes move and shit like that too. And like, I've got the eyes looking perfectly and different things like that. Like, we're not going to plug them in though. They're like, okay. And I'm like, seriously, guys, don't plug these things in. They're like, okay. Man, so one of my nephews, he broke this fucking, I had this like Freddy glove statue thing that would like, it held things up. So like all of a sudden they're like, uh, Uncle Jeremy, like we broke this thing. And I'm like, God damn, of course you did. I'm like, all right. But then the funniest shit was the next day going downstairs, every single animatronic the arms were moved, the heads were moved, the eyes were moved. I was like, yeah, these little yeah. shits plugged in every goddamn one of these. Of man. course they did. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I get it. I'd, I'd want to see Freddy move too, but I was like, motherfucker, no, no more kids allowed by themselves, goddamn it. No, for sure. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, what kid wouldn't want to play with that shit? Yeah, you know? I mean, dude, I, I, I would. Um, so, you know, fun, fun little, uh, little collector, little collector tidbit right there for you. But so in terms of standout scenes in the movie, I feel like there are a couple really great ones. Mm. I will, I will say this up front that I wasn't a big fan of the idea of the dog getting killed, but I'm just happy that they did it off screen. I, I know that. I've seen dogs get killed in some of my favorite horror movies ever. You know, we see Lester getting killed in Halloween, but um, I don't think it's necessary. But we, we I, I saw, guess we saw Cujo get killed as well. well. Well, Cujo was a bastard, man. He was a motherfucker. Yes, he was. Uh, but you, you know what I mean? Like, but I guess in terms of like, it, it hits a raw nerve. I mean, people don't want the dog to die. No. But they showed the dog. It bit Katie. It bit her in the hand, and then of course Megan takes care of the dog. We don't see it, mm. but so she starts you know, learning all these different things. And what, she, what basically she's learning is revenge. She's like, Oh no, you don't fuck with her. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm basically like, sh- dude, she's basically like Arnold to John Connor, yeah. the T 800. You know what I mean? Like I started connecting those dots early on. I'm like, Oh shit. She's got her own little Terminator. Yeah. You know, just doesn't have any machine guns or anything. Exactly. But is way fucking smarter than a T 800. And Gemma even tells, uh, Megan, you know, your job is to keep her safe. And yeah. so in Megan's mind, Megan, Megan's mind is a computer. Okay, well, this dog attacked her. That's not safe. I'm going to eliminate the threat. You know, and then the, the neighbor that owns the dog starts coming around and she's like, I know you fucking did something to my dog. Where's my dog? And like, she becomes very aggressive. And then Megan sees the, the behavior and is like, she's a threat. She Ooh. needs to go. Get out of here. She needs to go. Get out. Yeah. Of here. Get out. Um, but the, the scene we were talking about earlier, though, I think uh, is probably one of my favorites is the scene where 
Katie has to go to this outside hippie styled school. I guess it's a school learning type of thing. It didn't seem like a school to me. It seemed like they were out like doing activities in the woods, kind of like a fucking day camp or some shit. Um, And she literally is like, I'm not going unless Megan can come. And she brings her along. And of course, Katie gets stuck with this asshole kid. It was one of the funniest scenes in the movie, though, where the mom was like, calls out to him and he's just like, fuck off. <laughs> and I was the whole audience laughed because, of course, you know, it's PG-13, but they're going to at least be able to get a couple F-bombs in there, mm-hmm. at least one or two. And this this kid's like a, a complete dick to this little girl. I'm like, dude, you look like you're like 16. Like, yeah. what are you doing there? This girl's like nine or 10 or yeah. something, maybe even younger than that. And then, dude, one of the most hilarious scenes in the entire movie when Megan gets down on all fours and she's like charging the kid when she's like running at him like a fucking panther. I was like laughing so hard. It It was so funny. It was funny, but at the same time was like scary, dude. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Scary at the same time. Like, uh, again, kind of looks goofy a little bit and funny, but also like, oh, that's some scary ass shit. Let a doll come running towards me like that, and you don't have to kill me. I'm just gonna Especially fucking. I'm gonna lay Olsen on the ground and just doll, die. Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. B- eyes bugging out at you. Yeah, man. And and they found an interesting way to to kill the kid. So because technically Megan, she just rips his ear off, but she doesn't actually kill him. He ends up she, running out in, into the uh, the street. And yeah. He, he he gets knocked down the hill, gets up in the in the middle of the fucking road, gets plowed by a fucking car, and he's dead. And I thought that was an extremely effective scene. And you, it, it wasn't even all that violent. It was just very tense, really well shot, really well directed. And, and you, you're you bringing the level of threat of this this AI like to the top. It's like just yeah. getting it's, it's growing. It's getting larger of a threat constantly. And then, of course, it leads to later in the movie where Gemma's supposed to be having this huge presentation they make this deal where this thing is going to be like the largest toy ever sold. And this is where Move I felt over, like, tickle me Elmo. Yeah. Get the killer fuck out of Olsen here. twin M3 Gan. And this is where I felt like in terms of like what they could have done with it was a little missed opportunity. Yes. We get that iconic dance scene, which is this dance scene that almost made you not see the movie. Um, <laughs> But think about it logically. I was just like, oh, man, this thing could have gone so over the top. So there's all these people there at this presentation, like literally a shitload of people. Megan gets loose and basically hangs one of Gemma's team members. And of course, they they both live. They don't die. But then she gets loose. She kills like the CEO of the company. She fucking like st- like David, impales him. W- w- yeah, with a fucking what was it like? A, it was like a paper, a, a, cutter? A paper. Yeah, she ripped off the blade off a paper cutter and stabbed him. And then his assistant as well. It killed his assistant, and that was all extremely effective. You you saw some blood, but then she just like walks out, and I was like, man, how cool would it have been? had she just gone on a fucking murder rampage and just like killed like at least a handful more people that were there. I think, man, as a writer, how could you resist that setup and that location? Yeah, exactly. I I think there had to have been either, maybe they even shot it, but there had to have been more carnage with, with Megan in, in the toy factory. Uh, warehouse, whatever it is, it was the toy company was called Funky, which we all know that was supposed. Oh to be yeah, Funko. It was supposed to be Funko. Yeah, it was supposed for to sure. be Funko. But um, d- 
Dude, I, I don't believe for one second that in the original script for this, Megan just kills two people and walks out. Like, there's no way. It's the perfect setting. And I was full on ready for her to, like, go demented and just start killing, like, tons of people. And I think, well, dude, when, when, I think when that would have been elevator, amazing. Yeah, when the elevator opens and one of the people there for the presentation sees the, the dudes laying in there and blood all over the place, she screams. And I immediately was like, oh, dude, Megan's going to come out and just start at least throwing people around or, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. toss them around, not necessarily like impaling them or, you know, or decapitating them or splitting them in half or anything like that. But I was like, oh, she'll just rough them up a little bit. Fuck some dudes up PG-13 style. Nope. She just walks out the front door and leaves. And I was like, and again, I'm really hot on the movie. I just Same. felt like yeah. that was probably the biggest missed opportunity. Absolutely I'm like, you have all of these fucking victims here. And they're just mindless, no-name people. This is where you you dig in deep and, and take a few stabs at some, you know, unknowing fucking victims. That's just what you do. Um, but, I mean, who knows? In the unrated, R-rated cut or whatever it's going to be, um, who, there might be a couple more kills. I don't know. Um, I think the gore hound in me was just a little bit hungry for that at that point. I 100% thought that's exactly what they were going to do. And realistically, it's exactly what they should have done and potentially yeah. maybe did do. And then just cut it, cut it and had her, you know, walk out um, in order she to literally fucking walks out the feet. front door, man. She's like, yeah. out, I'm out of here. Um, but that does lead us to another standout scene, which is the climax. It's the final battle, which I know you were really hot on. Dude. So what's what's funny is I talked to one of my friends and he had seen it. And he was like, man, I really enjoyed this movie. However, I really did not like this element of it. And I was like, dude, the thing that you didn't like about it is the part in the movie that I actually liked the most. I literally cheered and went, holy fuck, they're going for it. I can't believe they're going for it. And not only did they go for it, but it was awesome. I loved it. Was it was amazing. I loved it. So, like, I'm just, we'll go ahead and spoil the shit out of this. So, Gemma had mentioned that when she was in college, like, she created this robot that you could control by these gloves that you could put on. So, if you had the gloves on and you threw a punch, like, the robot would throw a punch. And the robot's name was Bruce. And Bruce was a large robot, too. I'd say probably about at least close to six feet tall when, at least, when in dude. full scale. At least. Yeah. So, like, when Megan finally goes, fuck it, and she's like, well, unfortunately now, you know, Gemma, I'm going to, like, essentially have to kill you. And then when Katie sided with Gemma and tried to protect Gemma, Megan was, like, essentially, like, okay, well, I guess I need to kill you, too, and, you know... Um, I loved, I loved, I loved the lead into that. Like she's like, Megan, there's a family member we haven't introduced you yet. Introduced you to yet. His name is Bruce. And then like he t he like punches her in the fucking head. It dude, was like when so the fucking fun. robot went like stands yep. up into the shot with Megan. I was like, oh my fucking god. There's gonna be got, a robot fight. Dude, I got there's gonna be a robot fight. People were starting to cheer and shit in the theater. I'm like, I because ne I never expected that to happen. No. Even though no. we had seen the the, the Bruce robot it. earlier they in the movie, but I I I mean, I just I didn't connect the dude, dots. Me either. Me either. So when all of a sudden it was like, okay, and like, dude, at this point, 
Megan is fucked up. Like, dude, the prosthetic, the the latex of her face is split. You can see it's like it's a straight up Terminator. Oh, it's straight up Terminator. Yeah. The whole ending of is straight up Terminator. Yeah, dude. Sure. So like like half of Megan's face is like exposing like the robot cranium on her hair is ripped her off. Her hair is yeah, all fucked up. But then like all of a sudden now there's this giant robot that Katie is controlling and she's beating the shit out of Megan with this other robot, which again, I think there will be some people that are like, ah, oh, like they fucking had a robot fight at the end of this movie. The movie was yeah, so they ridi- jumped to the shark. Yeah. Dude, the the movie was so a, ridiculous dude, to begin with. Give me a break. Yeah, seriously. The movie is so campy. It's definitely a horror comedy in terms of also some science fiction, but Absolutely. it's, dude, it's, dude, it's, it's fucking funny. It's silly. It, it takes that campiness and that silliness and it, it invests itself in it and it, it, it absorbs it and it knows what it is and it does it well. It's not trying to pretend that it's not silly. You know what I mean? Oh, so having a robot battle at the end, it, it makes total sense. It's super fun. And also, I feel like any other ending, like with, you know, Gemma or Katie actually destroying the robot just by themselves without this battle would have been a little bit lackluster. Yeah, uh, Dude, it they went for it and God bless them for it, man, because I, I was so stoked when... All of a sudden, Bruce stands up in the shot and was like, we didn't introduce you to our other family member, Bruce. I was like, oh, my God, robot I'm telling fight. you, man, robot the, the whole the whole crowd, I don't know about yours, dude, people were cheering, people were clapping, people were like, oh, my God, because it's something you just didn't expect. No, uh, I, lo- I loved it, man. And I, I, I went from, like I said, having no excitement for this thing whatsoever to going to see it and then walking away like damn 2023 is starting out pretty great for horror like that was fantastic it was a really really enjoyable well-made self-aware horror film they knew exactly what movie they were making it wasn't jumbled it wasn't muddied you know in the way that scream um that came out last year that i was not hot on i i feel like they had different directions and like ways that they wanted to take the story and it didn't all work. Um, this did for me because I feel like they knew exactly what they were making and they went in there and they killed it, man. They killed it. They, they did a fantastic job. And w- with the ending and everything, of course, you know, it immediately leads to open an open opportunity for a sequel. I mean, they destroy Megan by shoving a screwdriver into her main hard drive into her head, which, interestingly, Gemma showed Katie earlier on in the movie that that's where her her life is, her brain is. And the movie ends, and we're led to believe that (laughs) Megan has transferred herself into Gemma's home system, like basically a version of whatever the fuck people have google home whatever they're called i don't even have one at home you know what i mean a smart home device yeah yeah which megan clearly hacked into the movie ends on that implying that megan is still survived through that well not only that but they did a small little thing earlier in the film that could obviously be heavily used for a sequel where david um who's like the ceo of the toy company his assistant 
steals all of the yeah, files. Yeah, transfers all the files. We don't know. We never got to see where he transferred those to. Yeah. Or he, if he trans- just kept them himself. He, he transferred them onto his computer. So, here, I mean, dude, here's how the sequel could be set up. Somebody finds that guy's computer after, you know, he's murdered in the toy factory. And somebody goes to it and they're like, oh, shit. And it's kind of like an, a, uh, um, an engine Jurassic Park situation where there's a rival company that wants to do the same exactly. thing. Exactly. It could yep. be, you know, somebody takes all the files for Megan and creates another one, a knockoff one like toy companies always do. And we know, even if companies know, much like we've learned from previous movies, Jurassic Park being one of them, even if they know it can cause disaster and death, they still want to do it because it's going to make money. They don't care. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those themes are in this movie, and I think it was extremely well written. It's witty, it's campy, it's funny, it's tongue in cheek. It's all of the things that you need. There's images in the movie. There's some wide shots of Megan, like where she's lit with shadow, and she's creepy. It's a creepy image, you know what I mean? And it's it's kind of created this new horror icon. And, Which, and it, it, we're in a renaissance of that because, I mean, dude, every horror company. Um, and filmmaker, they they all everybody wants their thing to be the next Freddy, the next Jason, the next Michael, and uh, like I've said before on the show, I think the closest we got was was Victor Crawley or uh, Leslie Vernon, which unfortunately we never got a sequel to that movie. But like those those were two characters that it's like okay, like these could become the next horror icon, and Victor Crawley came close. Um, but dude, we got Art the Clown which Terrifier 2 solidified Art the Clown as a horror icon. And now we have Megan, and I I think from these box office numbers, man, Megan could be the next horror icon, you know, and the way that Annabelle was kind of posed is, you know, trying yeah, trying mean, for that. I mean, and those movies made a lot of money too, and yeah. I think that's, like we were talking about earlier, Blumhouse knows how to market, and I think in a weird, strange way, if this makes any sense, Jeremy, they know how to market movies better than they do sometimes how to make movies. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, but they made a really good one here. They knocked it out of the park. Yeah. The marketing, the viral nature of how they, you know, built this thing in the imagery. It really is iconic. All they needed to do was put Megan's face on a poster, which they did. And boom, yep. you have it. It's simple. Yep. So so shotgun question for you. What's your favorite Blumhouse movie to date? I mean, oh, that's so hard. I know. Honestly, dude, I honestly, I. I would have to I'd have to look at a long list to be honest with you because there are Blumhouse movies that I totally forgot Blumhouse had something yeah, to do with. Yeah. So what 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 about you? I do mean, you know dude, off, the top, off, of your off head? the top of my head again, I'd probably have to look um at at all their films as well, but when I think of Blumhouse really knocking something out of the park, I think of a movie called Sweetheart, which I really really wish would have found its audience because like I feel like Blumhouse didn't do a great job promoting it. It is literally, and this is the best way that I can summarize it, it's Creature from the Black Lagoon meets Predator. Like, imagine being stuck on an island, and like a deserted island with no other inhabitants, and being like, I might die on this island, but I need to try and survive and hope that somebody rescues me. And then you find out that every single night, this creature crawls out of the ocean, like, looking for food. And it discovers that this chick is there and she knows that it's only a matter of time before this creature comes after her. So she has to devise a plan with no weapons to stop this like literal like stands up on on two legs like a fucking like a man, this monster that crawls out of the sea. 
That is Sweetheart, and it's fucking great, dude, if you have not seen it. I'll have to check it out, but I, so I looked up Blumhouse. Dude, there's a lot that oh, I yeah. love. I mean, dude, Get Out, Happy Death Day, Split, I mean, uh, fucking Happy Death Day to You, Glass, which I was kind of, I've come Glass around was, on Glass a, a little bit. Glass was great until the, fina- until the finale. Dude, man. The Invisible Man, which I still think Ooh, is one of the best horror one. movies over the last five years, and Freaky, which I also really enjoyed it's as well. One. There's a ton. I mean, last year's The Black Phone, and I still will always love, even though I didn't like the two after, I've always will love 2018's Halloween as well, but mm-hmm. they've done they've done a lot of great fucking movies. I mean, I can look at this list and name a bunch of the shit ones as well. Oh, yeah. But, they're not all winners. But, but you know what? But but on this evening, on this recording, I'd love to champion this because, you know, I did have that opportunity, what was it, like last year or something, um, to, to, to talk to Jason Blum briefly, and we have a clip of it on one of our episodes that, you know, I got to interview him about something. Um, he, he knows his shit, man. He, you're, you can't, if, if you're on Twitter, you're not going to agree with everything the guy says, but he, he knows how to produce movies yep. in the old school sensibilities, whether we like them or not. You know, there is some 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 shedders that come out, um, some stinkers rather. But mm-hmm. right down to it, it sounds like we both liked this movie quite a bit. So we yeah. might as well get to trash it or treasure it. Let's Jeremy, it. I think I know what you're going to say. Here. Dude, I, I loved this movie, man. Like I um, I could have done with some more carnage, some more, you know, blood, some more great kills. Um, I understand the reason that they opted to not go that way with this. And it worked out for them financially. And Ooh, if that yeah. means that more horror films get greenlit and we get more of these Megan films, I I can live. I can live with that decision. So I, I'm going to treasure Megan. I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the, the sequel, because the, the sequel has already been given the green light. So That's right. That's I, right. I'm excited yeah. to see what the, the next installment looks like. Yeah, I'm excited as well, too. Uh, I'd 100% treasure it. And it's interesting to, to think from the viewpoint that we had both of us like a month ago. I could I could tell you right now, if you and I texted about this movie, neither of us would have had any level of real excitement for it. And now we're no. sitting here. And, and you're, it's right. You know, we had a great year of horror last year. And Megan's doing a fucking kick-ass job of kicking off the new year yep. in style. Um, yep. Super fun movie. And I love when movies know what they are. When they know what it is they're trying to convey Absolutely. and they do it well. It's a solid little movie. Um, and, and, and this is the one thing I wanted to mention as well, um, that the director of the movie, Gerard Johnstone, because we didn't even mention his name at all through the entire he's movie. Got a, he's got a dumbass name. That's why. It hasn't directed anything that I'm aware of except for Housebound from 2014. Looks like this was his first big his first bigger thing. Yeah. So I just, you know, I always like to, to name names when Gerard I like John Stone. Yeah, that's right. John yeah, Stone. That's John Stone. You have two first names, dude. Gerard John Stone. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, we both <laughs> treasure Megan. If, if, if you've seen the movie, let us know what you think in the comments section of the post. And of course, if you like what you're hearing, please feel free to hop on over to Spotify or iTunes, whichever podcast platform you love to hear the show on and leave us a review. 
And we are currently thinking about revamping the Patreon as well. So be on the lookout for that. And of course, if you're not following us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we're literally everywhere. Just go ahead and check Epic Film, guys. And thank you for listening to this Brain Stew Fresh Frights review. I'm Justin. I am always Jeremy. He's always Jeremy. Always. And until next time, as always, we like to ask you to keep it... Creepy. We're done. Brace you!